Safer Chemicals Podcast. Sound science on harmful chemicals. I'm Adam Elwan, and you're listening to the Safer Chemicals Podcast. We're joined by Katja vom Hofe, the chair of the Enforcement Forum, and today we'll be talking about the next forum enforcement project on imported products, the role of the forum, discussed during an open session with key stakeholders, as well as the enforceability of restrictions. Let's get started. Welcome to the podcast, Katja. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back. So let's go straight into the Imported Products Project. Can you tell us more about it and why it focuses on imports specifically? Um, we chose imports as the topic of our next uh, major enforcement project, which is called the REF12 project. Um, as you know, these REF projects are our main outputs, meaning that pretty much all of the member states and EEA states will participate in it in the future. And um, we chose imports for REF12 because it is one of the key areas of enforcement at the moment. And um, we also have results from one of our previous projects, um, which shows that the non-compliance rates for imports are generally higher than for non-imported items. Right. In this project, we found that almost one in four inspected products uh, were non-compliant with the legal requirements. And this is why we decided to look into this topic further at, at REF12. And, you know, there's, um, the, the, they always say the best place to catch non-compliant imports is at the border because it's always better to catch a non-compliant shipment during customs controls than to uh, yeah, having to chase it through the member states once uh, it has entered the European market. And that's why we feel it's important um, to have a project on this topic. And also, I guess it links to the uh, the European Commission's uh, strategies also in terms of Green Deal. and. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, the European Commission has this um, uh, chemical strategy for sustainability, the CSS, we call it. And um, in this CSS, the Commission highlights a couple of areas of um, where they feel in enforcement needs to improve. And one of these areas is imports, because obviously the, the number of substances and the volume of substances that's imported in the EU is very high. And um, as we know that imported products are um, uh, normally that the, the non-compliance rates for these projects is, is higher than for non-imported items, that's what we need to look at in the future. Right. Okay. So, I mean, you're going to be looking at imports, but what exactly will you be looking at in terms of the, the requirements set by the EU chemicals law? Well, as, as always with our major project, um, the exact scope will be determined next year during the planning phase of the project. And that's when we develop our manuals and our questionnaires. And, and those are the tools for inspectors to use during the project right. so that they all enforce imports the same way across the EU member states. Mm -hmm. So um, all I can tell you right now is that we've agreed to look at everything, so substances, mixtures and articles that are brought into the EU, and that we will be checking these shipments um, in very close cooperation with the customs authorities authorities. Um, and we'll be looking into finding solutions for customs to effectively um, control chemicals before they are released into the EU. That's okay. what we're trying to do. Yeah. Right. Then you already kind of mentioned that the preparations would start next year, so in 2023. What about the rest of the timelines for the project? Um, preparations are going to be starting now. We've just set up a working group that's preparing the project, so that's going to be happening um, in 2023. And then the inspections will take place uh, in 2024. So we have the entire year as our operational phase, so from January to um, December of that year. And then we take about a year to collect and evaluate all the data from the inspections. Um, so we expect to have the results ready by the end of 2025. Right. Um, what about follow-up actions? Will there be any and who's kind of taking those and when would they? Happen? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, for the follow-up actions, um, we usually um, have our findings and recommendations that we draw from those projects. And um, we want to make sure, of course, that those findings and recommendations reach the actors that we would like to react upon those. So um, there can be industry and other stakeholders, um, there can be the European Commission, inspectors in the member states, and of course ourselves. So there are recommendations also for the forum to maybe take this uh, this topic up in another project. And um, we do all this um, in the year following the reporting phase. So we have workshops with stakeholders and we look into our recommendations and see how we can implement them. And for the REF12 project, this is going to be happening in 2026. So this is when we then finally conclude with this project. And um, was it so that there was already some kind of a pilot project on this? You mentioned that there was a high level of incompliance already found. So where was that? What was that about? Um, that was a, one of our previous um, pilot projects. On uh, We called it a pilot project on the cooperation with customs. And it was um, looking at imports as well. And what we were trying to do with this pilot project, and this is also something we were looking at to, into um, at REF12 as well, was to establish the close cooperation with customs because customs authorities are um, sometimes not the authorities that are responsible for enforcing REACH and CLP, so the, the classical chemicals legislations. Um, yeah, and so we needed to make sure to set up the enforcement authorities for REACH and CLP with the customs authorities and make sure they speak the same language, they exchange the right data, and they interact with each other. And that's something we did during the pilot project. And um, this is something that we'll be building on um, when we're now doing the REF12 project on imports. So you already have quite a big basis of data and tools, hopefully, to help you set up for this new project then. Yeah, indeed. Okay, good. Um, well, I think now we should move on to the uh, role of the forum. This is an interesting one because for me, the, the concept of the role of the forum is very broad. So hopefully you can shed a bit of light into what exactly was discussed. So the, the role of the forum, whatever that may mean, was on the agenda <laughs> in an open session. So this is where representatives both from EU organizations and four candidate countries, if I'm not mistaken, joined. Yeah, indeed. Um, we had a, an open session with our stakeholders. It's something that we do on a yearly basis where we invite stakeholders from industry, from NGOs, and as you said, some uh, representatives of the candidate countries um, into our session. And we dedicated an entire day um, to just exchanging views with them. It's an opportunity for stakeholders to highlight the issues that, um, that they have with enforcement and to just bring their topics to the table and for us to look at them. And I always, I think everybody in the forum values these exchanges because they're so so open and they bring to us new perspectives, new topics that we want to look at. And um, yeah, to this, this meeting, we we discussed the role of the forum. As, as you said, it's a bit of an abstract concept. I think it uh, comes from, uh, again, uh, a point from the European Commission, um, because the Commission has indicated that um, during the upcoming REACH review, it will be looking at the role of the forum. That's where this the term is coming from, um, because enforcement is one of the main topics of this REACH revision, and the forum is one of the main drivers for the harmonization of enforcement across all the member states. Right. So obviously, the Commission will be looking at our mandate, which is currently laid down in the REACH regulation, and then our role during the REACH review. And um, yeah, so far we have not seen any concrete or specific proposals, of course, um, of what such a new role of the forum could look like. So we're all speculating a bit, but we know that the commission um, wants a stronger role of the forum when it comes to working on new restrictions, for example, and um, highlighting enforcement challenges. And potentially it also, they also want us to work on authorization decisions, um, to give you just one example. Okay, so broadening a little bit the, the scope of the forum then to yeah, authorizations also. 
Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, and I think that's something that also the, the stakeholders said during the open session. Most of the stakeholders welcome a stronger role of the forum. So they're not shying away from enforcement. On the contrary, um, I mean, those stakeholders that liaise with us are the ones that are trying to be compliant. And, and of course, they want strong enforcement against those actors that might not be trying as hard as they do to stay compliant on the chemicals legislation. And so, yeah, they, they welcome all the potential new tasks that we might be getting. And the forum does as well. Um, but, and there's a big but in there, um, of course, in order for us to manage any of those new tasks that may be coming our way, looking, for example, at authorization decisions and the enforceability of those, um, in order to do that, we need to have a very clear mandate in the legal text, and we need to have the resources to address it because, um, yeah, pretty pressed for resources as it is at the moment. And so, of course, um, anytime we get something new, we need to make sure that, we, that we're sufficiently resourced to do that. Absolutely. I was going to bring up the resource aspect actually as well. So, I mean, it's mm -hmm. resources both in terms of the forum itself, but then all the members, all the member states to actually have the resources to enforce whatever is, is coming up and to do the work to plan and carry out these projects, for example. So that's probably an important consideration here also. Yes. I mean, it's always two-sided, you know, obviously you need the resources in the forum to set up projects, to follow up on, on new tasks that we might be getting. But then, of course, it also then washes into the member states. There, of course, uh, inspectors have to deal with specific cases that they're getting. They are the ones that are doing the projects. They are the ones that are um, participating in them and, and delivering the data back to us. And so, of course, they are, that's where, where you also need the resources. And um, if you ask any enforcement authority uh, across all the EU member states, um, what they will tell you is that at the moment, resources are very scarce um, for, for enforcement. And so that's, that's an right. issue for everybody, I think. Um, still small point on this one. So you mentioned, well, we mentioned that there will be, there were representatives from EU organizations. So these are stakeholders that join or are, in, are invited to these open sessions, kind of observers of the forum, let's say, who get access to this open discussion and for candidate countries. So um, in, in addition to that, was it so that there were also some observers from the commission, of course, to kind of feed it into their reach review, which, as you mentioned, is the motivator for this, this kind of discussion about the role. But then the candidate countries as well, this is really just a learning opportunity for potential candidates to see how things are working or what's, what's kind of the, the angle there? Why are they participating? Um, yeah, we. I mean, it's something we've done, been doing for years now, inviting candidate countries in there. Um, as you said, commission representatives are also there, and of course, they are the ones that are guiding those um, candidate countries um, towards full membership into the European Union at, at some point, hopefully. Um, and at the time, for the time being, them being in the open session means that they learn about enforcement in the member states. So they learn about um, the projects that we do, um, the way we are organized. They learn about how how enforcement is being done in individual member states. They um, hear about challenges that industry wants to highlight, challenges that the NGOs are bringing to the table. And so for them, it's, it's a learning experience, I would say. Um, so in order to prepare them for actually setting up their own enforcement processes and structures in their, in their own countries right. um, so that they're ready for that when they are then finally becoming um, EU member states at some point. Very interesting. And uh, thanks for opening it up. It's also clearer for me now and looking forward to whatever comes out then um, of the REACH review and then, of course, the revised role of the forum um, eventually as well. So interesting. And we'll be following that up also in the podcast in the future. Um, we could then move on to the next point. 
So this is about the enforceability of reach restrictions, also discussed mm -hmm. in, in an open session. Um, so for example, for textiles, lead gunshot in wetlands, and uh, also for methods for checking the compliance of different, uh, different restrictions. For example, the absorbent hygiene products that was recently on the agenda, such as baby nappies and personal care wipes and so on. So what was discussed and what was concluded? Um, yeah, as I said, it was one of the um, main items on the agenda of our open session um, because stakeholders, as I said before, they are bringing items um, to the table that they um, or that are of interest for them. And those, um, the enforceability of restrictions is a big topic for, for industry and NGOs alike. Right. Um, Sometimes we are discussing how the text of, of a restriction entry should be interpreted, and that's also something we did this time, or which parts of a restriction are difficult to enforce, for example. And in other times we discuss um, which analytical methods should be used. So stakeholders often introduce methods to us that they have developed, and um, we are happy, of course, to look at them and see if we can introduce them, um, for example, into our central document, which lists analytical methods for all restriction entries. Um, the document is called the Compendium of Analytical Methods, and um, as I said, it includes analytical methods for checking restrictions in practice. So it's used by inspectors when they are going out to inspect uh, and, and uh, check on restriction entries. They look into this document to see what kind of analytical methods they can or should use to make sure that we're all using the same methods across the member states. And we will revise the Compendium of Analytical Methods in 2023 to include all the new up-to-date methods methods and um, we're very thankful that that industry is contributing to this exercise and that they are proposing analytical methods um, to us that can then be included in the text of this document to make it even yeah even better in the future and um, in addition to this compendium of analytical methods i understood that every time there's a restriction proposal there's also a kind of a consultation with the forum on advice on the enforceability of this potential restriction this is then used i guess by the commission to mm -hmm. to ensure that a restriction can go ahead and it can actually be enforced so very important uh, point and this is something that has been now I, I understood recently decided to be published so can you tell me a bit more about that um, well, what the forum does when a proposal for a new restriction is submitted to ECHA, um, we look then at the proposed text of that restriction and see whether the restriction would be enforceable if the text remained as it was. So it's our legal task to do this. So it's in the REACH regulation that we have to do this. And we've been doing this for quite some time now. Um, and what we do is we develop so-called forum advices. That's um, what the documents are called. Right. And so far, these forum advices have only been sent to um, RAC and SEAC, those are the, the um, committees of ACA that are also um, evaluating their restriction proposals. And we've sent them to the commission so that they all could take our findings in consideration when they are making the restriction decision. So the advice have never been public before, but at this meeting, um, we've decided for the first time that we will publish our forum advices in the near future. Yeah. And, and can you tell me why haven't they been published before? Um, we've always been a little bit cautious about this because, of course, if we highlight in our advices that there is an issue with the enforceability of a restriction, um, and then that challenge that we highlight does not get remedied, um, so the text of the restriction does not get changed in the process, then, of course, um, that's information that free riders could use um, to prevent enforcement, to hinder enforcement, or to circumvent their, their legal duties. 
Um, but at the same time, the forum, because we have that institutional capacity and in that we work, um, we have a big role to play in the development of a restriction. And uh, we, we very much value transparency. It's one of, of ECHA's core values. And uh, we also believe that our findings are important, not just for RAC and SEAC and the Commission, but also for the stakeholders, for industry and NGOs alike. And um, they should know about our assessment. They should know about our findings. And so um, this is why we've revised our former practice and will now publish um, the future forum advices that we're going to be drafting. Definitely something that will be useful then. What about the, you mentioned free riders, so this kind of risk that people will misuse this information. Um, can you give an example of how they might do that? And now that you are making these public, do you have any measures in place to try to mitigate free riders from doing so? Well, um, yeah, I, I hope so. I hope by highlighting the issues with the enforceability, um, of course, the, the first hope is that this is going to be picked up in the development process when the restriction is developed. As you know, the proposed text may change until the end. So, of course, we hope that um, Rock and Seag and the Commission are going to be picking up on that and saying, well, of course, then if it's not enforceable or if there's an issue with enforceability, then we'll need to change the, the text so um, to make it enforceable so that the final um, that the final restriction that we have is then enforceable for us. And so then that, of course, would mean that the free riders can, can't use it against us. Thanks. Thanks a lot for explaining that. Uh, indeed, a very important point. And if I understood correctly, there was also a, a chair elected for the BPRS, so the subgroup on the biocidal products regulation. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Um, we have uh, the biocidal product regulation subgroup, which is our um, subgroup dealing with biocides. And um, they have just very recently um, re-elected um, one of the vice chairs. So Helmut de Vos, the Belgium colleague, um, has been re-elected for a second term. And we're very happy that uh, Helmut has taken on this responsibility. Right. And second term. So he will be then the vice chair for? For another three years. Yes, indeed. Then uh, thank you very much, Katya, for joining us. It's been a pleasure as always. Um, if you, our listeners, want to listen to more episodes on the forum, you can find the links to those in this episode's description. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast at echa.europa.eu forward slash podcasts. And before we close, just to mention that we are also collecting feedback on the podcast. So do take the time to fill in our short feedback form and let us know what you think so that we can improve uh, to better meet your needs in the future. The link to the feedback form is also in the episode description. Thank you all for listening and stay safe. Safer Chemicals Podcast. Sound science on harmful chemicals.